Father, I just thank you so much for this family time. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just be so exalted and so glorified. Lord, that the, um, just our hearts would be open to your goodness, uh, reminded of your promises, aware of how you're with us and you strengthen us and you guide us with your mighty right hand, Father. I just thank you for just in the time of hope in your presence um, and being equipped to love you more and receive from you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not sure if any of you have um, had wilderness seasons in your life. It could be a particular <laughs> area, a particular area in your life which has felt like you've been in a desert, like there is no promised land here. This is definitely tragic, difficult. It could be a time of sorrow, a time of lack, a time of being without. So this could just be in a particular area of your life that just never has had breakthrough yet. There's just lack or struggle. It could be for a short period of time. It could be a long period of time. For others, it's it feel can feel like everything in your life is like that. It's a wilderness across the board in a bunch of areas. And it's like the just doors seem shut on multiple levels. There's pain, there's difficulty, and there's hardship. This could be just a year, a year of where that was just a wilderness year. You remember 2012 to be a wilderness year. Or it could be that it's five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years. And I know that there's people in this room today where that might have been your story. I know even a couple in my head right now just looking around where it's just been years worth of just pressing into the Lord and holding on to the promises and his goodness, but it's just been really, really hard. Whether that's been through prolonged sickness, whether there's just been loss, death, um, um, you know, divorce, uh, financial, there's so many, many, many areas of wounding that we can have in our lives. But I just want to address that this morning. Um, I feel like I've been in the wilderness season for 14 years, even though there's so much blessing in my life. There's so much goodness in my life. Just being part of this family, I'm so blessed. I'm well, I'm healthy. But in particular areas, there's just been a prolonged season of wilderness. And a lot of my learning and building and the Lord forming me has been in that season. In particular, the last few years, it has been easier. So I don't feel like it's been so much of a desert. And a lot of that has to do with that the Lord gave me this church and so gave me family and started to fill my need with you. So that has really helped in the last few years. But there's still just area of lack and pressing into the Lord and holding on to his goodness. So I'm just speaking from that place this morning. With, um, But I just want to have respect that I know for some of you, you've gone far longer than my meager 14. <laughs> it's been 20, 30, and you're still believing for the Lord. So I just want to honor you today. And um, yeah, I just honor your story. I can only share from what I'm learning. But... Um, the wilderness season is biblical. It's a winter season of our soul that the Lord even often draws us into to purify us, to help us to strengthen, interestingly enough, in the place where it's a desert we can strengthen. It's a time where we begin to trust him in ways we never knew we could before. He enlarges, enlarges our tent in that place. It's a time where a lot of our flesh comes to death because we scream when we're told to wait. And when there's a no, our flesh comes up, just like maybe you might see with a child. Our adult selves can do the same when there's a no and there's a wait and there's no breakthrough. Our flesh really can come up. So it's a time of that coming to death, which is a good thing. And it's the sort of stuff we pray for. And then when it's happening, it's just no fun. And we scream at God, why are you doing this? And he reminds us that we prayed for it. It's a time of learning dependency. It's a time of learning dependency. And I really want to maximize on that today it's a time where we just need God to provide manna and quails say manna and quails yeah who wants to eat little rice crackers every day of the week for 20 years 40 years nah. but in the wilderness it was just 
honey-like dew that turned into manna, and that was every morning, and sent quails in the evening. Manna and quails, manna and quails. And so I've been learning how to eat manna and quails because I think what was happening for me was I've been in the wilderness for a long period of time and my focus has been believing God, which is good. In 2009, it was what he first taught me when I felt, felt like I got to the end of myself. It was a very, very dark season. I did get to the point where I said, I don't think I can do another 24 hours, Lord, like this. And I was just on my, on my couch, and I've spoken about this before, and I felt the Lord say to me, quite audibly in my spirit, read Psalm 78. So I got up, I don't know what was in Psalm 78, and I read through it, and it was all about the, the provision of the Lord in the wilderness, that he's there, that your, you know, your feet never s- get swollen, that your clothing never runs out, which to me would be awful. I think <laughs> that is a desert to not have fresh clothing. But um, to that's when he feeds us, that's when he does all of those things. And then I got to, I think it's verse 21, 22, where it talked about the thing that made the Lord mad with the people when they're in a wilderness season is they did not believe that he could deliver them from their situation. So the thing that made God mad in that wilderness was the people didn't completely believe that he could release them into that promised land. And that was the beginning of me learning what do I believe about God and uh, learning about the promises. And I had so many promises over my life, but in particular, promises about this part of that's been a wilderness for me. Promises, promises. My first one was 14 years ago, quite a particular promise, and it's still not come to pass. And so it's been years worth now where I've really been learning about do I believe God? Do I believe God? Can God deliver? Can God set me free? Can God change this? Can God bring the promises about? And my spirit has had to learn that really, really slowly. It's taken me a long time to absolutely feel from head to toe that I believe God. So I do feel I'm in a place more now where I slip back, where I have I can't do this anymore moments and My friends here have put up with me in those days, but I don't live in a place of disbelief anymore. There's a lot of belief being built into my system, which I'm so grateful for. My focus has been on the promised land. Believe in God, believe in God, declaring his promises, writing the promises down, recording them in books, sticking prophetic words on my walls. Everything has been about what do I believe about the future? And then it got to this year. I got the beginning of this year, I I fell apart in a similar way where I got to the end of myself in this wilderness season going, how long, how long, how long? I wonder if any of you have just been, how long, God, how long? And I got to that place um, and considered walking away from the Lord and letting this go and the church stuff go and heart life, everything. It was so tempting that day um, because my how long had run out. Um, And I was so angry, just so, so, so angry with the Lord. And I think my, my, my I, yeah, I did a turnaround that day. All I could do was grab my Bible, hug it, and just ask him to soften my heart. But I think the season since then, so the last three and a half, four months, four months, I've, I think I've had a bit of a broken spirit because of to get to that place with the Lord where you want to turn away. It's just, could I ever do that to my Lord? But I think the journey since has been so, so precious because for the first time I've started to look into well, you're not enough, God. You keep saying you're enough. The last couple of years, I've kept reading. Um, the, here's our fountain. Here's our portion. He is enough. He is, en- and I've been focusing on him being all I need in the wilderness. But it hasn't been enough because I would be content. I would be satisfied. And so I'm focusing on the promises of God, focusing on the promises of God and saying he's enough, but he's not. And so this year, I was like, Lord, something is wrong because I keep believing that in your promises and believing in what you say to me but you are not enough, and I am in lack. I am in lack. The desert is an uncomfortable place. 
it's it's hot, it's dry, there's no, it's not full of grass and water and the things that we, you know we need. It's just he provides as we need it, and that's enough. And he's not been enough for me. So began my new exploration of well, then I don't know how to eat in the wilderness. And that's what I'd like to talk on today, is my learning in the last four months of how to eat manna and quails. Because I think I was a very, very lean believer in the promises. So I was a believer in the promises of God, good, tick, and very, very lean. Because I didn't know how to eat in the wilderness. I don't know if that's making any sense yet. But we're supposed to eat the manna. And if when people were in their tents at night and curled up in their tents or whatever in the wilderness season, manna didn't build on their lips in the night so that they ate and they just had to go in the morning. They had to gather. They had to get up, go and gather manna, use it for that day, and then worms and things would get into it that night. So that the next day they'd have to do what? Gather and then worms and gather. The only time that didn't happen was on the Sabbath where they had to gather twice as much. It didn't rot, so they had it for the Sabbath day. And then the next week, gather. They did that all those years. They had to gather. And gather's a verb. It's an active verb. It's a doing verb. So I've gone, then how do I gather? There's obviously something I need to be doing that I don't know how to do where I need to access the he is enough for us in the wilderness. I need to access it. I need to eat. I need to know how to go and get a quail and know how to cook it and know how to eat it because I feel I've been living in the wilderness unaware of how to cook the quail, so I'll just look at it, go... That looks yummy, and then I go to sleep, and the next day I'm skinnier. Does that make sense? So my focus is how to eat in the wilderness, as well as believing in the future. So that's been the beginning of my journey this year. Um, and then I came across a blog by a woman, Vanitha Rayner. I think her name, her name is Vanitha. And it just really, really has helped me. That was just a God-given blog to me. And she has had long-term um, sickness in her body that's just never healed, which can really impact your relationship with the Lord if you don't know what to do with that. But long-term unhealed sickness. Her husband left her. Her child died. And um, and she went to a prayer meeting. She had, you know, loves the Lord, loves the Lord. But she went to a prayer meeting and she just said, I, I just want you to know I don't feel I can pray. I can't pray to my Lord. I've just got this little bit of hope on the inside, but I can't verbalize. It's too much pain. And the lady said back to her, I know, don't we all love delivering grace? We love the parting of the Red Sea. We love, you know, the healing of this, the Lazarus coming back to life. There's a type of grace where we enter into the promised land. Deliver us. Anyone know the the cartoon from the Exodus. Prince of Egypt, Prince of Egypt. Love it, my story. So um, we love delivering grace, the type of grace that's released to have something happen. And I think most of us could say in our lives there's been something that's happened where we've just had delivering grace when we've prayed. Someone's healed, we've been healed, money came, someone, you know, we've all had these things and they are supposed to encourage us. We've all got examples of delivering grace. When I was in year eight, I had a very serious um, back condition where I had chronic um, disease in my pelvic bone. So I couldn't sit. If I sat down, I cried. And so that would impact a class in my classroom and things like that. And I was on 13 tablets a day throughout year eight. And then I went to a meeting in a town hall, and there was this guy preaching, and he was preaching on healing. And I just didn't have anyone particularly pray for me, but I just received my healing. And that was it age 13 I never had that pain again so that's an example of delivering grace we need to know delivering grace exists and can happen today for us to have hope 
If we didn't know for any areas in our life that's a bit of a wilderness, if we didn't know that we could be delivered tomorrow from this, then there would be problems. We actually hold on to the fact that there's delivering grace, even if we're on year five, year 10, year 15, year 20 of praying into things, don't we? And it's people praying for us and it's prophetic words coming in and it's knowing that there's an end answer that keeps us going. Had I known, when I actually even had a prophetic word when I was 19 about that, I'd probably go into the wilderness. It wasn't a curse type prophetic prayer. It was, I'm so thankful the Lord showed me what was going on. Had I known then, when I was 19, 14 years later, some of those things would still not be, I'm not sure I would have hung out in the wilderness and lasted. If they said, in 14 years' time, a whole area of things in your life will finally come into fruition, your needs will be met, blah, 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 blah. Until then, you're going to struggle. I would not have done the last 14 years living as if the next day delivering grace could happen. Okay, we, are, we need delivering. We need to know it exists. We need people encouraging us that the Lord is here and there's healing and there's power. We need that in order to have hope and that makes us keep going to the Lord, pressing in. We need it. But most of us do not like sustaining grace. That was the other thing that it was explained in the blog. We love, no one complains about delivering grace. We all complain about sustaining grace. And sustaining grace is 24 hours worth of, an, of, of um, supply for you to be enough. And then tomorrow you go again. Sustaining grace was what happened for 40 years in the wilderness. Sustaining grace is manna and quails. And then tomorrow we do it again. So sustaining grace is required until the delivering grace comes and the season changes. And that really helped me put language to what I was leaning on and needing from the Lord and going, okay, God, I've been believing in your delivering grace, but I had no idea of how much sustaining grace is apportioned to me for today. And so the last four months, I've been getting up in the morning and it's been like an Easter egg hunt. My focus has been to wake up and to go, I need to get into receiving mode, not doing mode, not pleasing God by being faithful in the wilderness. All of that is important, but it goes with the believing in the delivering grace. Sustaining grace is I need to receive what I need for today. And I've, been, I've started coming down to 24-hour things this year, especially the last couple of months where I wake up and my confession is there's enough for today. And that's my focus. There's enough for today. I'll go to sleep tonight. And then tomorrow we do this all over again. On average, it's been about five or six different things will happen across the day where I just know the Lord is near. And he just pours in and he, or he brings someone who journeys next to me for an hour or something. We have coffee and I never expected, like when I bumped into you, cat at the shops in Rockingham, that was one of them. That was a day in particular where I was like, come on, Lord, walk in. And she walks up to me. We end up sharing, having coffee. But little things like that throughout the day where the Lord gives me enough in my lack and then I go to sleep. And the next day we go again. Some evenings I've been in tears or there's been pain and I've gone, there's still enough grace before I go to sleep. And that's needed to be my declaration because that is what the truth is. And for all of us, if there's any air in your life where there's no breakthrough yet, I just want to, maybe you might already know this and you've been doing it for longer than I, but I'd love to just encourage and remind you that there is sustaining grace. And if I can help you today to make... That to become more aware of just how much there is in that 24 hours and that it is enough. It is enough. There is enough manna for the day. There wasn't, they, they said, take enough portions for the people in your tent. So if there's five people in their tent, they took enough for those five. If there was two, they took enough for two in your tent. If there was 10, there was enough for those 10. No one went without. Everyone had enough. Okay? So there is enough 24 hour sustaining grace for any of our stories that don't have the breakthrough today and that's the bottom line of what I'd like to share with you today um 
in digesting manner and quails on a daily level, I've really found that there's so many verses in the Psalms that tell us about how the Lord sustains us. So I just want to read some of that to you, read some of that over us um, that I've found incredibly encouraging. So I'm just going to work through them before I get into Psalms. The first one I'd like to read is from Nehemiah 9 verse 21. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. For 40 years, you, God, sustained them. Psalm 3, verse 5. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Psalm 18, 35. You make your saving help my shield, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. He's the helper. We receive the sustaining Psalm 41, verse 3. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed. Anyone here where your wilderness is your health? The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Even in the wilderness, we can say, Lord, give me a willing spirit to be able to walk this. It's not performance. It's not work. It's, Lord, you need, you need to give me the power to do today. You need to give me a willing spirit. You need to help me to yield. Help me to trust. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Psalm 54, verse 4. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Good declarations, hey, and their truth. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord in your desert. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Psalm eighty nine twenty one, My hand will sustain them. Surely my arm will strengthen them. Some days I just say, Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen my inner man for this walk. Strengthen me, strengthen me. Psalm 119, verse 116. Sustain me, my God, according to your promise, and I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. So what's the only way we're going to be living and thriving in the wilderness? Sustain me, my God, according to your promise, and I will live. That's what it comes down to. Psalm 146, verse 9. The Lord watches over the foreigner, the migrant, that's what that scripture's about, and sustains the fatherless, parentless, and the widow. Widow, I usually also go single parent. So the Lord watches over the migrant and sustains the fatherless and the widow slash single parent, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. So he sustains those people. Isaiah 46, verse 4. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. He wants to be known as the person, as the, as the, as the sustainer. He wants to be known as a sustainer and we will never come into knowing him to be our sustainer, to be our everyday supply if we don't come into needing him to be our sustainer. If we can sustain ourselves or be sustained by others or try to be sustained by others, we will never know him to be our sustainer. Psalm 16 says, it's a bit longer, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, so we need to be doing some declaring back to him, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. Can we say that? 
and we say, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. That's when we can hope in his deliverance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Isn't that beautiful? So he is our sustainer, and it's possibly the first year that I'm learning that more in its fullness, even though I knew it. Um, it's not an easy journey. It's not pleasant, but he's glorified, and it's he wants to be known in all the areas that he is. Some So even though I think with the Lord, he's not... He doesn't call us to be, like he doesn't just send carnage and, and send sickness and send these things. Sometimes when we cry out for change and to come out of our wilderness, he's okay with delay. He's actually okay with us having a thorn in our side, just like Paul. Paul was saying he has so many reasons he could boast. He's this, 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 this. But he said, so that I would not be prideful. So for this reason, the Lord actually let him stay in a bit of wilderness so that he would not be prideful. We could all do with a bit of that. So there's always reasons. Our character's getting flushed out in these wilderness seasons. But he said to Paul, um, I'm not going to remove that thorn. And it says, Paul says, I cried out for the torment to be lifted. So it's not, oh, I've got a little prickle. Little prickle. It's this is di- this is difficult. <laughs> this is it was a, a you know a, a demon or something. That's what it's alluded to. Something to torment me. Torment is a strong word. Yes, torment. And for some of us, there's seasons or areas in our life it feels like a torment. And still, God said, "No, I'm not going to release you." What did He say? My grace is enough for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Let's say that again by putting the word sustaining in. My sustaining grace is enough for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. So that's my delivering grace is not going to happen today, even though you've yearned and prayed. Thank you, very good. We must all keep praying those prayers. Delivering grace exists. My sustaining grace is enough for you today and you can stay in the torment because there's a greater work. So sometimes there is... Like those needs that I have had, I have poured out to the Lord and I've, I'm like, half my anger with him has been, and these are needs you created in me. And half of this stuff, it's not even, it's not even unbiblical things I'm praying into or, you know, this, the wilderness areas have been high needs. And, and then I read scriptures like in Matthew and it says, you know, the Lord knows what we need before we even ask. And I've been like, yeah, whatever. And he's like, you know, the, my God gives good gifts to his children, withholds no righteous thing. I'm like, whatever. He's not given me anything. But what I'm learning in the sustaining season is he's giving me other things I also need, which I wasn't aware of, and then he'll give me those things that I need. So he is giving me what I need. And what I need is, like Paul, to not be so prideful. And what I need is to learn dependence and neediness on him. And I need to learn intimacy with him. And I need my flesh to die. And I need to learn patience. And I need trust. And I need breakthrough with him. And I need to learn. Those are also needs for his children. Otherwise, we would grow up being weak and not able to be soldiers on the battlefield. Yeah, because who went into the wilderness? Israelites. And what were they? What had they been for 400 years? 
Slaves, are slaves fighters? No, they were slaves. They had slave mentality. They went in as slaves. Even going in, the Lord led them by that way so that they wouldn't encounter battles because they were too weak to battle. They went in as slaves. That generation actually died in the wilderness. They never quite made it through understanding sustaining grace. We have hope. We're preaching today. So they never quite made it through. But their kids, their kids came out as what? Slaves or warriors? What happens in the wilderness in the sustaining grace season as we move from slaves to warriors? And that means we need some things. So even though we need the deliverance, God's like, I know you do, but one day you'll look back and see that you needed a whole bunch of other things first. And if you could just trust me to build them into your life, I will also bring the end need result. Does that make sense? And if we need to become soldiers, there's a whole bunch of strengthening and exercising the inner man and our spirit and all these sorts of things that needs to happen. And that's painful. I don't like exercise. I hurt. I'm still hurting from Wednesday. Boot camp. It's breaking of those muscles and tearing of them to rebuild them, to make them stronger, to go again. It's not comfortable. Well, it's not for me. But um, it's required to make a warrior, is to learn that my God will fight for me. There were some battles in the wilderness, in the Bible, yes. Who was it? Was the king of the Amalekites? What was the A? It started with an A. Amalekite king? which when, the, when he came to attack them in the wilderness and then Moses had to keep his arms up the whole time for them to not be taken. Anyway, so I think it's the Amalekites. So they were in a battle whilst they were in the wilderness before they even went into the battles in the promised land where they had to take the land for themselves. But even that was by sustaining grace because they only won when Moses had his hands up like this. And then as soon as it was lowered, they started to lose the battle. So that whole time was sustaining grace all the way through. And it's when they were ready to be warriors, be fighters, that they were able to take the promised land. And all those battles that happened in the promised land, Jericho, all these different battles where they fought for a while and they were losing, then hail came and then so God helped wipe them out. Like All those battles needed to be done by people who had been built in the wilderness. And I think God just calls his soldiers to be built and their needs come, the other promises, he will meet them and the promises will come to fulfillment sometimes after a while. Is this making sense? We're going okay? So he's okay to leave the thorn there sometimes to do a deeper work and then the thorn can be removed later. Um, what I would like to talk about now is I'd like to just, you might have some more to add, but I would just like to discuss some practical ways to eat. I'm a big eater in the flesh even, okay? But we're going to go spiritual, so... Just put that away. But I'm just going to talk about how to eat manna and quails because I was lean spiritually, obviously not in other areas. But um, I was lean, and so I'm learning to eat. So I'd like to discuss how I'm eating in the spirit. And if any of this helps you, just some ideas of how to press into the Lord in particular areas of your life where there's it's a sustaining time rather than a delivering time, then may you be blessed. I would love some of your examples of how some of you are doing it. Um, even if you let me know later or anything, I would love to know how I can eat better. But this is how I'm presently eating. Okay, so examples of how to feed. Um, primarily, I guess, my position in my heart is that I yield. 
I yield to the season. Yes, we pray for the breakthrough. Yes, we read the promises back to God and scriptures and stuff, but there's a yielding to the season that you're in that is mighty, mightily important. It's yielding, it's surrendering our will to what he wants to do in the season, even though we can't see what is going on. Just like what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, your will be done, not mine. And then he went into more sorrow and more suffering. So it's not an easy thing. It's not a comfortable thing. But can I encourage, if in any of your prayer times you are battling and going, why did I not have the breakthrough? Keep contending, but yield. Everyone say yield. Yes, uncomfortable, but just surrender to the season so that he can do a work. I'll give you a little picture example. I'm not judging. I appreciate this man. He's a friend of mine, loosely known out in the workplace. But I said to him, oh, how's it going having a new baby? And he's like, oh, it's really, really difficult. It's a tension between my wife and I, tension between everything. Everything's really, really tough. And I went, oh, sometimes in these seasons, doesn't your flesh have to come to death? And he went, yeah, and I'm, I'm a fighter. Ooh, but he was just basically like, anything I can do to not have my character burned in the season, I'd like to stay, you know, I'd rather the problems, I'd rather the problems with my wife, I'd rather it be difficult. He's like, I'd like, yeah, but you can really just die in all those ways and serve. He goes, yeah, I'm a fighter. And that really helped me have a picture of, I do not want to go into the season of sustaining grace going, yeah, I'm a fighter. I'm just going to resist and fight the Lord longer and longer until he wins. Just yield. Let him kill you. All right? So... Um, things that are really important to me is to hold on to pictures and symbols. So if the Lord has spoken to me at all in the Bible or someone's given me a prophetic word, anything, like in Hebrews, the scripture is um, hope, uh, his ho the hope anchors our soul. I just held on to that. That was my food. I ate the same little piece of manna every day, unlike we're supposed to, but I really, really just hung on to that. But to the point where um, anchors just became my focus because I needed the hope and I needed to know my soul is anchored when I have his hope to the point where you know Lisa sewed me a little she found an anchor pillow and put that scripture and it's on my bed you know Rachel found a vase with an anchor on it it's in my house and I actually get anything the Lord is feeding me in this season I try and get a visual picture of it and I put it in front of me just if that helps you to get a picture of it and put it there um Another thing I would do that is, especially then on my phone, if I find anything on Facebook, like, oh, so the next thing I do is on my Facebook profile, I follow and I unfollow a lot of anything that would come up trashy, and I really just follow, you know, Joseph Prince, Joyce Meyer, Bill Johnson, anyone who's going to feed me, anyone who has extra manner to share, I follow them. So even in the mornings, I check my Facebook not to know what my friends are doing, but I, I purposefully have unfollowed all of that and I'm following all of this. And I want their food. I want their revelation. I need it. And if anything speaks out to me, I take a screenshot of that and I just chew on that throughout the day. I keep them. I keep them. I keep them. So that's just a tip of how I'm feeding. Um, and in particular, following like the Elijah list and prophetic pages like that, where you can actually follow what the Lord is doing in prophecies, and I hold on to those sorts of prophecies. So that's how I'm using that. Similarly to Instagram, I don't have all these friends on Instagram and all these people I'm following. I'm not interested in who ate what that day. I follow the people around <laughs> anyone, right down to, you know, Bobby Houston, any Christine Kane. I just follow, and my newsfeed is food. It's encouragement food, it's breakthrough food, it's truth, and that's how I'm eating. So just if that helps. I then, if the Lord has given me a particular word or a particular piece of food for that day, I can just spend some time making it into even like a little photo, little words. I write it out and I find a photo that encourages me and I stick it together and I make it my screen cover on my phone. So you can have a photo that you put as your screensaver. So when your phone's off or as soon as you go to your phone, it's the first photo that you see. And I live feeding off that until the Lord gives me a new one 
and then that's what I go with. These are just little tips in the modern day <laughs> of how I eat. Okay, so um, making the screen covers, podcast sermons, having podcasts on, especially when you drive, things like that. Some of us are listen to podcasts often, so just ask us how that works if you want that help on your phone or which people to follow. Um, oh, Paradox Church at iTunes. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. Also, verse of the day apps, so Bible apps which have verses of the day. It can be just when you're on the run in between classes. I can be home for 20 minutes before going to the next meeting. I don't know where to start in this Bible to start feeding. I just find if there's a verse of the day and often the Lord just uses that. So having those types of apps on your phone, awesome. The Bible can be read aloud. Yeah, you actually press play and some awesome Sinatra voice is just reading from the Psalms over you. Or some female from America is out those thumbs and I just have it on play often when I wake up so I can't read when I wake up my eyes will stream so for the first hour or so I just I can't read when I wake but I can press play and to even just get ready things like that just to have truth swimming around me do you have those things on your phone if that's going to help you in you help you in your lifestyle um, it can be difficult being um, a mom, things are busy or there's kids or there's not so much time, but I keep asking my friends even in the season where I'm not one for just sorts of tips. Um, Lisa Joss's sister Sarah Burt, I'll keep remembering the one she told me where she says every time she just puts all her kids in the car, stands at the back of the car and that's where she just grabs three minutes with the Lord before actually getting in and going for the day. It's reading a scripture and it's just dedicating and it's letting him come and it's be with her, but everything's ready to go. But there's just that bit of separation in the car and it's I give this day to you. I need you. It's just those sorts of little things are just worth building in for manner, for everyday manner or swapping if you've got a partner or something, just swapping out. You need 15 minutes to drink from the Lord. It's it needs to be intentionally put into your day. So you go outside and you feed those sorts of discussions and help or get a friend to come over if you're a single parent so you can feed even for 15 minutes a week we need to eat so things like you would know some of the disciplines so worshiping declaring what the truths are saying you are good you are good you will never let me down those are things we need to sing um it's it's praying in the spirit either on your own or with a friend just get together and be in the spirit just speaking in tongues praying in tongues together that feeds that really really feeds all right um, reading the word, getting into the word, following a Bible program, or getting with friends, even a coffee once a fortnight just to read together. Those are just ways to feed. And all of them won't happen unless we get out the tent and look for the manna. Hello? All those things I've said to you so far, none of them happen to us unless we go get them. We actually need to actively feed. Manna doesn't arrive on our lips, it's on the outside. We need to get up and gather. So being in our life hubs, post-it notes, I just found post-it notes are really helpful for whatever. I can just stick it on my car, um, there, dash, when I'm driving, things like that. Um, or on my desk at work. There's many times where on my computer I've just had a piece of truth, so that keeps me going during the day. So post-it notes, things like that, because they can keep changing with the fresh manner. Those are just little tips. Um, what I would like to just, we haven't got too much longer to go, but the main part I want to focus on is I'm not sure we use enough of just getting in the spirit to encourage ourselves or encourage each other. So I just want to finish off with talking a little bit about prophecy, about words of knowledge, about being able to picture what the Lord is doing. So we are a church who just loves, we, we're full of the spirit, we follow the things of the spirit, and we encourage that when we're praying for someone, 
How many of you have been prayed for and someone has a prophetic word or a picture? That encourages our spirit far more than just the goodness of their heart through their heart's prayers for us, yes? I don't know if any of you have ever had a prophetic word that's really been life-changing or just helped you, but that is a better meal in the wilderness than than anything, okay, is when the Lord actually says, this is where you're at and you're going okay and that just feeds you for a while. But I've started to just really go, oh, that's right. If I can have a picture for somebody else, a word for them or sense visually, because the Lord uses our sanctified imagination when it comes to prophesying, okay, we see pictures in our mind or we can hear sounds, sometimes even smells, but we can hear him speaking or we can hear a sound or we see things or we hear him talking or a scripture comes to mind. Those sorts of things are what happen when we use our sanctified imagination when it's, when it's being used, when the spirit with his gifts, okay, this prophetic gifts, that sort of vehicle he uses, he uses us as humans to be that vehicle. But we can actually use that same sanctified imagination when we're just alone with the Lord. It really actually helps us in our intimacy with him when we can picture him with us, okay? So it's not just for, yes, it is, a prophecy is for the edification of each other, it's to encourage each other. But we can also build ourselves up in the faith and encourage ourselves when this sort of thing happens. So I just want to give you a couple examples of this. Um, might have to be a part two at some stage because we want to talk a bit more about prophecy and words of knowledge. One of the biggest things that has held me in this wilderness season was about mm, seven years ago when I went down to the foreshore for an exercise walk <laughs> and I uh, had my shoes on, got my tracky decks, blah, blah, blah. And I started walking and I felt the Lord say, stop and sit down. I'm like, yes, I get out of exercise. But I sat like very short into the walk and I just sat, and it was like an audible, but this is what I mean by the prophecy, word of knowledge thing. It's, it's the Lord speaking, and you're attuned to it, just like if you were praying for somebody else. And he just said, look in front of you. And I just looked, and there was this little dinghy boat on the waves. And, he, and then there was this one that's like a dolphin cruise one for the weekend, so it's bigger. Then there was this beautiful white boat going out there. Then there was this cargo ship. So many of you have heard this story before, but I'm just using it to prove what I'm talking about. So... He just really spoke to my spirit and said, you are no longer like that little dinghy. You are just not. And that's the scripture where you're tossed around in the waves. And he said, you are not that. You are like this little weekend or go away for the day boat. And he just said, in this season, I'm building you to be that that white one. So he showed me what was going on in the present. That's a word of knowledge. When you know what's going on. Okay. And that was that. That was a huge mammoth thing that held me. But that's nothing compared to when I see a cargo ship. Because if he's building me into this, then I got the season ahead is actually about that. That he's called me to be that. And oh, the amount of times I've held on to that. I look at cargo ship things. I stick them on my Facebook cover, whatever, without explaining it. I put pictures around. Brad and Lisa have taken photos of one on the horizon. That's in my house. Like I, That's what I mean by holding on to pictures and symbols where the Lord is speaking to you in the wilderness season to sustain you. Have them visually in front of you. I still go to walk at that same beach all the time, seven years on because of the cargo ships. I look for cargo ships. Sometimes I drive to Fremantle to watch the cargo ships because it feeds my spirit. That's manna because the Lord has promised me what he's building me for and it's a purpose. Yes, it's not a luxury liner taking people as cruises around the world. It's a cargo ship. But it has purpose and the building is painful to transfer from this to this. But I have vision. There's been a couple of times I've been, I don't know where, and I'm driving and I'm thinking and I'm stewing over stuff. And I look and just between buildings, I can see water and there's a cargo ship. And the Lord has kept just using that for me. And that's what I mean by if I hadn't have gotten and listened and had time with him and gotten into the spirit, I'd have missed that. And I wouldn't have had that type of manner. So we need to get into the spirit about these sorts of things and hold on to these sorts of things. 
So this year, my focus has been to do that. Yes, I'm doing all the other things I read out, getting into the word, what apps and photos and symbols and pictures. And, and I look for pictures. Like I was going to Fremantle. I was walking through a little market, and there was all these $5 photos, big photos being sold. It's like, this could be an opportunity. The Lord speaks to us through pictures. Went through, went through, and I found this picture of this woman, old painting from way back. And the woman was lying in a position like this, and that's how I lie with the Lord when I'm having intimacy, when I'm talking to him a lot of this year. It's a position, sounds embarrassing, but I just find when I turn on my side and I just get, in and I just get into that secret place with him, and there was now a picture of this woman in yellow, which is the color he's given me this year because it's the color of hope, and I've, so I've put the color into my house. I've changed my decor to match what he's doing because I'm eating manna. But that photo is a, a yellow dress and curled the way I do. I got that $5 picture, and it's in prominent place in my lounge. So I hold on to him promising me, him giving me little, little bits each day. But my task every morning, especially Wednesdays and Saturdays when I have a longer period of time at home, but is to get up and to get into the secret place and to try and picture him. So if you need comfort from someone, maybe you have a partner or a best friend, do you imagine that when you need that comfort or you need to be fed by them emotionally, that they will stand over there and go, you can do it. Like that isn't, that isn't <laughs> being fed by your nurturing friend, is it? Is it? Okay, let's go back to when we have needs as a baby. You s there's a baby screaming and the parents don't do anything and it's a baby. What do you, it's like pick up the thing and... Pat and, okay, so I don't care how old we are, this is what we need. And if someone picks it up and they're just standing and this thing's screaming, it's almost like they want to walk over and go, ah. it's just what we do when there's a baby with need, isn't there? This is what a human needs, and we're the same even as adults, and we're the same as Christians with the Lord. But if we imagine that he's over there going, keep going, another 10 years in that wilderness, you'll be fine. Do it, do it, I'm just going to go rule the world. It's, it's, it's not enough. It's not manna. Manna is being in his arms like this. And so I've actually had to use my sanctified imagination, just like when I'm prophesying over someone, to picture when I get up in the morning, I'm like, where are you? And it's been easier and easier. Sometimes we need to, we need to think, so I have a good earthly father. For some of us, that's not been our experience. I've had a good earthly father, but absent because of their work in the wop wops. But he's been good. My father, I just re realized this morning when I came here, I only know him to wear checked shirts my whole life. A whole life. He's only worn check shirts. Still, to this day, if I buy him a shirt, I'm like, all right, let's go to the shops to find something checked. Okay, so, and I get him a check shirt. But I've started to click that when I need that closeness with the Lord and I need to be able to see where he is, I find him in a check shirt. Isn't that amazing? But it's like he knew what was safe. My dad and mom were just visiting a few weeks ago. We got in the car. My dad was next to me. I was driving. My dad is a nurturer. He took my hand. How are you? How are you? Oh, that's so nice when you ask me how I am and I'm starting to share and I went to take my hand and he grabbed it and hold it tighter as if to go, it's okay, we can just hold hands for a long period of time even though I'm your dad. And he just held it until I was comfortable and then he just held it loosely and we just drove and I'm asking, how are you? Now, if that's my father on earth, how, what is father in heaven? And if some of us, when we're in the secret place, we're having a quiet time, we're like, I should be praying about this and I should be getting into the word and I should be. And he's just wanting to go, can I hold your hand and ask you how you are? Yeah. And we, we can't, we like, I, do, I can't do quiet times, they're draining, I have nothing left. I can't do a quiet time because I don't have to give to God. But I think in the sustaining season, it's, no, you need to come to me to receive and I've got nurture for you and I've got comfort for you. But I think if we could really start using our minds, our, our 
that prof- those the prophetic, the words of knowledge, the picturing him, then the intimacy that's real rather than what we should be doing to do well in the hard times can start to click in. So there's even a time where I just turned, because I do that side position thing, and I had the cushion, this cushion here. I'm just being vulnerable. But I saw my father, my earthly father's brown check shirt, which is my favorite, and it came so bright in front of my eyes, and I just knew it was like Jesus was going, yeah, I'm wearing that one today. So it wasn't that I was thinking it was my, it was my earthly father, but it meant that I then, and that's when I went, and I poured my heart out for ages, and I just poured it out, poured it out, and that vulnerability was there because he was showing me that it's really safe. It was about last week that I was sitting on the couch just like this, leaning forward, and I was really suffering. And I thought, if I was really suffering, like, if you, Martin, if you knew that I was really suffering, what would you do physically to encourage me? He would give me a, hu- a hug. And Martin sometimes gives me quite a, a beautiful, long, encouraging hug. He just does. And so if our Father in heaven and Jesus, like, some of us are being so held and being so hugged in those areas of your life that are wilderness, and we don't even know. We're just, we don't receive it. It's, there's, there's a blockage to receiving it. But I just sat forward and I went, okay, where are you, Jesus? And I just saw, and his hand was on my back and he was just going like this, going like this. So I let myself rock to it. And that all that grief, it just came off within that hour where I would have missed that if I'd been like, well, I better be good in the wilderness and make sure I, you know, better be good. And then I do the praying and then I do the worship and then I go and I serve and I sow and be good in the wilderness. It's not about being good in the wilderness. It's about learning to eat manna and quails. And I think more and more the manna and quails is Jesus intimate with us. And Jesus intimate with us looks like something. It actually also looks like touch. You know, I was in my bed and I curled up a couple of days ago. I was like, I can't do this, God. And I felt his arm here. And so then what does that do when you're talking to someone and you're struggling and then they put their hand on you? You talk more. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's like, you know, if someone's sharing and then they seem uncomfortable about doing their share, I put my hand on them and I go, yes, yes. Then they feel, oh, this is safe. And then they share more. So Jesus touches us right in our homes, in the brokenness, because he wants to go, yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me it hurts. Tell me it hurts. And then I will feed and I will comfort and I will come. And that all comes through allowing us to, to picture, allowing us to hear. Just listen. I often get the wrong. <laughs> I just do it by faith. But before I turn and read the Bible, I ask, what do you want me to read? And I try and listen in case he says a scripture in a verse. Have you ever done that and then you go to it and it doesn't exist? Yeah. often I'm like oh I just heard a revelation of what to read and I'm like yeah there's not that many chapters (laughs) it finished two (laughs) chapters earlier got it wrong today but I don't stop doing that because what if I get one and it's right and that day where I hit the wall um in beginning of this year the very next day I had a prophetic word from someone and they said to me the season you're in is because the Lord you have a divided heart he said to me you have a divided heart and the Lord wants you to know you have a divided heart because half of you is all for the things of God and the other half is I just want out of this wilderness and I want those promises and that's taking me away from the things of God it's like I'm split I'm not all in yielding you have a divided heart and I went to my room like I have a divided heart I'm all for Jesus laid down lover I have a divided heart and um and I did that scripture thing, get my book out, this Bible, because I don't have a divided heart. And um, I don't, because <laughs> I'm so spiritual. <laughs> and where is my scripture? I wrote it down somewhere. Um, so, and I heard the Lord say, so I heard. That's what I mean. When we get with him, we need to look 
We need to see, we need pictures of what he's doing in our lives. We need to see his chest, we need to feel his face. As a father, or as a lover, if that's comfortable or it could not be, but the Holy Spirit can be whatever. They're all those things, but especially as a friend. Jesus is a friend, and friends are intimate. But Or friends just have quality time. Earlier this year, Jesus was like, I just want you to come sit with me. So I went and I saw him sitting in this, a chair. That was deep. Okay, so <laughs> I saw him sitting in a chair. And he's like, come sit, just sit on my lap. And he had a newspaper. I'm like, why are you resting? There's like ISIS out there and there's stuff going on in the world. Why are you resting? And he's like, I'm just looking at the way they've captured what's going on in the world according to their point of view. It's so interesting. And he was just flicking through the newspaper, unperturbed, like, oh, that's what they thought that was going on. And that's what they think is going on with that. That's so interesting. He put it down and I said, are you going to come? He's like, yeah, I, I, I've, I've won all these battles 2,000 years ago. You know, it's all done. I'm in control of the world. I'm not busy for you. I'm not too busy for you. Just come be. And that was like a friend. If you want time with a friend, they stop being busy and they sit with you, which means you might need to stop being busy to sit with him. He actually just wants friend time. And some of us are too busy serving him to have friend time. That was me. I was like, I can't have a quiet time. I'm ministering. I can't love you. I'm loving your people. That was me for a few years. And the leadership team would just look at me like, so now that you're burning out, do you think you can just have quiet time with God? It's like, I'm his minister. He doesn't want time with me. He wants to minister through me. And I've had to learn, actually, he just wants quality time. Just like your main partner, your main friends. And if we don't actually have that going on in our lives, there's no this is my quality time with Jesus. No one can access me. Put your hand up if you've gone out with me on a Wednesday or a Saturday morning. It's my Jesus time. And I say, no, I don't care if someone's... St- oh, I'm, I'm going to take that back. But <laughs> i that is my quality time because he's my best friend and I give it to him. But I receive so much in it. I need him. I need him. I need him. And some of us need to put that time. So the beginning of the year, you have an undivided heart. So I sat down and went, what scripture do you want me to read? And I heard Psalm 87, verse 11. 86, Psalm 86, verse 11. I was like, I think there's 86 chapters. We should be all right this time. And I turned to it, and it's one of the only two scriptures in the whole Bible that talks about an undivided heart. So God does speak to us and helps us to know what to read. And it says, teach me your way, Lord, that I might rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. There's only one other scripture in the whole Bible. And again, that one is about give me. So God was showing me that I don't even have to do works to get a less divided heart. He does it in us. So my prayer has just had to be, give me an undivided heart. And that's all I'm praying at the moment, and he's doing the work. But that's what I mean by we have to listen. If I'd not sat down and gone, what shall I read? Like, if we're leading the time with him all the time, he can't be intimate, and he can't do what he wants to do in us. And we don't eat manna. We're telling him what we want to order from the, from the, r- the restaurant rather than just eating what he's feeding. And some of us need to eat what he's feeding us and it's dry and it's crappy and it's the same thing every day but God is good God is good and it's what we need and it's the only way to become warriors amen so at some other stage I might teach a bit more on words of knowledge and words of knowledge and prophecy for each other because if I had not had people prophesying over me or seeing what the Lord's been doing in the season I would have been without food that day and it's very important that when we're praying for each other, we are also asking the Lord for pictures, for words, for encouragement for each other and praying in the spirit for each other. And to believe that we all are, Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. There's people around us who need sustaining grace. 
The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed so I can go and sustain others. Okay, so just know there's people around us. They need sustaining grace. You might be their manner that day. And to just really enter into the things of the Spirit when we pray and to get words for each other and to pray, which I was supposed to spend more time talking on, but we have done enough for this morning. May I close in prayer? Mm. Father, I just thank you that one of your many faces that is that you are the sustainer. You are the ultimate sustainer. Father, we run to things to sustain us in 24 hours. We feed in places we should not feed. We feed in places we should not feed in order to get through the day, Lord. And you don't even hate us for that. You know the things that have set us up to run to those false refuges. You know why we do it. You know that we're seeking for the true sustainer. And Lord, I just ask that you would, by your grace, pry our fingers off false sustainers this week, whether they're people, whether they're things, whether they're mind patterns, objects. Father, would you pry our fingers off what is keeping us alive, what is what we believe is keeping us alive in seasons where we haven't seen change for so long. By your grace, Father, would you turn our hearts to the sustainer and would you teach us how to feed? Would you teach us how to feed in a way that the, that the rhema word, Lord, that the Bible goes in and brings life? Would you teach us how to feed in a way that a worship song cuts all the way through and does its work and helps us believe in you more and more and more? Lord, the, the, would you show us what you're doing? Would you give us pictures, symbols? Would we begin to really come alive in the things of the Spirit and walking and talking with you in the Spirit so that we can encounter what it is to be held by you, sustained by you, nurtured by you, comforted by you? You say that you are going back to heaven so that the Comforter will come and remain with us. If we have the Comforter with us every day, Lord, then we need to know how to access the God of all comfort. We need to access the God of all comfort on a daily basis. Lord, would you teach us how to do that? Would you help us go through the harder process of finding the comforter's chest rather than quick fixes? You are our fountain. You are our provider. You are our cup. You are our portion. And in area, every area of our life, Lord, that is not a reality really. Would you, t would you take us to your chest and help us to become fully sustained until your grace comes to deliver us. You're a good God. Just bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.